The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, in the UK, Boris Johnson hands over his WhatsApps to the Cabinet Office. ITV orders a Philip Schofield inquiry, which they claim will be independent. And uh, Pretty Pretel struggles with the problem of migrants arriving in small boats. I'm joined by London-based journalist Enda Brady. Enda, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Great to speak to you again. Now, let's talk about Boris Johnson and uh, what his motivation might be. He is adopting the attitude, I have nothing to hide. Show them everything. Yes, so this is an interesting about turn, really, because earlier in the week, all the indications were that he was resisting handing over the messages. And now, I think Mr. Machiavelli himself has sat down and realised perhaps it's more damaging for Sunak and others if the messages come out. So Johnson has done a complete uh, volte face, should we say, and the messages he is insisting should come out. So it'll be interesting to see what the Cabinet Office do now. Apparently, there are hundreds of WhatsApp messages, at least 24 diaries and notes that he has kept. Now, uh, I've known this man nearly 25 years. He is not a meticulous note keeper. He has no attention to detail whatsoever. But I would imagine he has sat down, done his calculations and worked out that if his WhatsApps come out, it could be very damaging because obviously there will be people's responses to what he has written to them. And all of that would have to become public as well. But make no mistake, this is happening because there's something in it for Boris. Now, he has also said if the Cabinet Office doesn't hand over these notes and diaries to the inquiry, well, he'll go public himself. Yeah, again, he's worked out what's best for Boris. You know, there's never any mention or thought in his head as to what's best for the country, what's best for the party. It's all about personal ambition. And I go back to what I say, Pat, I think he has worked out that this could play very well for him and damage others. And uh, it's interesting, I heard recently that his office in London that he maintains is very, very sparse. But the one thing he has on the table is a rugby ball. And someone asked him recently, why have you got a rugby ball on the table? And it was a story he told a few years ago that if a loose, he was asked if he'd be interested in becoming prime minister. This is before it happened. And he said, well, look, if a loose, a loose ball comes out of the back of the rook, I'll pick it up and run with it. So that's why he has a rugby ball on the table. He still thinks he can get back into number 10. Now, there, there might be personal stuff in the WhatsApps and in the diaries. I mean, if one of the staff members, for example, uh, had a happy occasion or indeed a bereavement, there might be personal exchanges uh, and they too would be part of the WhatsApp troll. Um, they wouldn't have the right to publish any of those, would they? Look, I think if there's anything extremely sensitive or distressing or private to do with that, someone's private life, that may well be redacted. But what the inquiry ultimately, which happens in two weeks, by the way, what they're interested in is the decision-making process at the start of COVID and what was being discussed, who made the decisions and what information they made them. That is all they're interested in. But I have my suspicions. I think Johnson has done his calculations and realised it's far worse for others if these messages come out. Mm -hmm. So he's been in the happy position that he's been able to review them himself. So he knows exactly where the ticking time bombs lie from whichever of his former cabinet colleagues remain in power. And he probably is quite resentful about those people, uh, and particularly Rishi Sunak, who didn't directly um, follow him because Liz Truss had that uh, few weeks of <laughs> of ignominy. Um, but he does blame Rishi because Rishi was the one who put his hand up and said, I can't live with this anymore. 
Yes, so he does not like Sunak. That's well known within the Conservative Party and he blames him for his downfall. If you go back to July of last year, those two key resignations that started the whole House of Boris falling asunder, Sajid Javid and Rishi Sunak, and they went within an hour of each other, but it was Sunak who he really blames. And I think what we're seeing here is perhaps payback. Payback. Well, we'll see how it all unfolds. Meantime, the other drama that is uh, continuing to unfold is that of Philip Schofield. And um, we played a few minutes ago a little clip from Kerry Katona talking to GB News about how uh, he had emotionally damaged her on the couch in an interview in 2008. Um, it, it seems that the man who is very popular in the public mind may not have been that popular with many of his guests. Yeah, precisely. Not just the guests, but other presenters as well and production staff. And I think a lot of chickens are coming home to roost now, really, for Schofield. So ITV have launched this uh, investigation led by an external auditor over his departure from the show. I think his reputation just can't fall any further. Loads of people. He, he's, he put that little Instagram story out the other day, which conveniently vanishes after 24 hours or before, if you take it off. And he said that don't listen to loud voices with an axe to grind. You know, talk to people in TV. This was, his, his behaviour was an open secret in television for a long, long time. And that relationship was an open secret in television for a long, long time. So I don't think he should be surprised that it's all unravelled so quickly and that people he treated badly, allegedly, are now coming out mm. and saying what they're saying. I mean, I watched Eamon Holmes' interview the other day. I sat beside Eamon for 10 years on a breakfast programme on Sky. And I tell you what, you get a good measure of someone every morning when you're turning up for work at 5 a.m. Pat. In 10 years, the only bad thing I could say about Eamon Holmes is that he's a Man United fan. <laughs> well, he'll <laughs> maybe have something to cheer about on Saturday. Who, who knows? By the way, uh, looking at that interview with Dan Wooten on GB News, um, I don't know. He, di- he didn't come across as a man uh, who, who did not have a grudge, let's put it that way. Oh, look, a lot of people have said that to me and they say, oh, he seems very bitter. I think, you know, Eamon's wife was constantly belittled and loads of interjections by Schofield when she was reading links, not made to feel part of the team. You know, it was very much him, his way or the highway, and he felt as if he owned this morning. That was my reading of the situation. Yeah, look, as he says, it's people with an axe to grind. But then, you know, if he, maybe if he hadn't behaved the way he did and made the decisions he's made. I mean, you know, he had to put out a statement the other day saying that that relationship was unwise but not illegal. I mean, what a statement to have to put out as a 60-year-old man. But the question of Eamon Holmes, why he didn't, um, you know, jump up and down sooner, because when you're working for GB News, I think he is contracted to GB News now, um, you know, it would seem maybe as self-serving now, but maybe he could have mitigated the damage by speaking out sooner. I think, look, Eamon left that show... And I think not of his own volition. And he was a fantastic presenter. Him and his wife, really warm, charismatic people, loved by the viewing public. And I think the situation ITV was such that had Eamon Holmes spoken out earlier or gone to management, it would have ended much sooner for him because they all seem to think that Schofield was this big advertising cash cow that the public loved. And now that they found out that maybe the smiling man on TV is not, the persona that was actually in real life, 
it's all very, very odd. It's 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 a strange yeah. one for ITV. But, now, um, what, I have to what say, did I know who I believe? And what did you make of the ITV statement that uh, said, you know, he was uh, nineteen when he joined? Um, then he went this morning at twenty. Then he applied for the job in Loose Women and left at twenty-one. So I think what we're seeing is a lot of backtracking and covering and we're seeing ITV making it clear that there was no wrongdoing and that they didn't know. Senior management are making out that they didn't know about this relationship. I mean, if we believe Eamon's version of events saying that there were taxis bought and paid for by ITV from Schofield's property for this young lad to and from work every Friday morning after being out on Thursday evenings together, um, you know, if... Television is a small world, Pat. You, you've been in it long enough. You know the game. Everyone knows everything. Everyone hears everything. And I was working at a different channel in a different part of the city, and we were hearing what was going on. So don't tell me that ITV leaders in the same building didn't know what was happening on their own programme. And uh, finally, we should move on to the other ongoing uh, dilemma, uh, Pretty Pretel trying to sort out the arrival of people in small boats, migrants in small boats. It's a very difficult problem. If the weather is benign, um, the sea is big, um, you can't patrol every inch of it. Uh, and there's no doubt that the French, you know, why should they help the British in a way they might have done when they were within the EU? Um, so what's her latest plan? So the, the, the latest, basically, is Suella Braverman, as well as Home Secretary now, having taken over from Pretty Patel. They, they want to focus on Turkey and Bulgaria. So they've already sent people this week to North Africa, because that's the route to be, get to Italy. But they don't want to be in Italy, these migrants. They want to come to the French shores, and they want to get to Kent, and they want to claim asylum here. Bottom line, Pat, is the UK government spending $8 million a day on hotels for asylum seekers. Every single day, that is the amount of money that is going out. Uh, staggering sums of cash. 46,000 people came to Britain last year in those dinghies, pushed ashore from northern France. So the UK government's latest tack now is basically targeted at source in North Africa, and also they're trying to build relations with Bulgaria and Turkey. Bulgaria is the first EU country, shares a border with Turkey, and that's where people are coming from. So they're trying to patch up relations, improve relations with Turkey and Bulgaria, to sort it out at source. But if you ask me, I think the problem lies with having bad relations with Paris and the Macron government. And what they need to do is start investing in that relationship and giving the French police the money that they were promised because the French claim that they've seen none of it. Yeah, and finally, that, that uh, Rwanda scheme. Um, I'm not sure if anyone's uh, been sent to Rwanda on foot of court challenges and so on, uh, but it, it doesn't seem to deter those who would like to make Britain their home. The prospect, maybe they don't even hear that kind of story uh, when you're being trafficked by some unscrupulous people smuggler. You don't maybe get the fine detail of a Rwanda plan, but it certainly does not seem to have been a deterrent. No, because not one single person, to my knowledge, has flown to Rwanda off the back of it. I mean, it's, it's great for headlines, and it's, it's supposed to be this big kind of um, anti-migrant initiative, a scare story, come here and we'll send you back to Rwanda. And, and they know full well that a lot of the migrants have come from sub-Saharan Africa, and they've travelled for five, six, seven months to get as far as northern France. It's, it's not worked, and I mean, Pretty Patel came up with the Rwanda idea. Suella Braverman told reporters here it was her dream to see a plane taking off for Rwanda with migrants on it. 
Um, the nightmare continues. Talk to people in Kent. They're seeing these dinghies come ashore nearly every other day. And, you know, you're right, Pat. The weather was good yesterday. The weather was good today. The people smugglers are making five, 6,000 euros per person they put in these dinghies. They're not going to stop. Enda Brady, London-based journalist. Thank you very much, Enda, for joining us on the programme. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.